0: from Movendi International I'm Mike Dunnvier. Welcome to the Alcohol Issues Podcast in our 17th episode. This week we focus on the Public Health Alcohol Act in Ireland and pay special attention to the recent news of the introduction of minimum unit pricing in Ireland. This podcast episode was recorded on Thursday, May 6, 2021. For the 17th episode of the Alcohol Issues podcast, we welcome Dr. Sheila Gilleny. Sheila is the chief executive of Alcohol Action Ireland. She's a tremendously impressive person and leader. Sheila holds a PhD in astrophysics. She has led a range of not for profit organizations in science, education, public engagement, and social enterprise. And now, She is at Alcohol Action Ireland that has been the key civil society advocate for support of the Public Health Alcohol Act that was passed into law in October 2018. Alcohol Action Ireland was established in 2003 and is the national independent advocate for reducing alcohol harm in Ireland. Alcohol Action Ireland campaigns for the burden of alcohol harm to be lifted from the individual, community and state. The organization has a strong track record in campaigning, advocacy, research, and information provision. And in our conversation today, Sheila gives insights into all these areas of expertise. In our conversation, we take a deep dive into the alcohol policy model of Ireland. Sheila describes from a scientific and a human perspective why alcohol policy development was so and is so important for Irish society. We talk about the alcohol norm in Ireland and how the alcohol industry fuels cognitive dissonance, misconceptions and inertia despite pervasive alcohol harm. And yet the country adopted a comprehensive set of policies in the Public Health Alcohol Act. Sheila explains how that happened and she shares inspiring lessons learned. We also talk in more detail about the different provisions of the alcohol law and how they actually work. Just a few days ago, the government announced that the alcohol floor price would be introduced on January 1st, 2022. So we look more closely at the issue and what the minimum unit pricing will actually be like in Ireland. I really enjoyed this conversation with Sheila to gain deeper insights into one of the world's best alcohol acts. And we discuss what the future holds, both in the short, medium and long-term. Sheila shares, for example, insights and reflections and bold ideas for an integrated and, and comprehensive approach to protecting the people in Ireland from alcohol harm. Here is our conversation. Good morning Sheila. Thank you for um, taking time and coming on the Alcohol Issues Podcast. Very welcome and I have to say this is a great uh, moment to talk to you because of the recent news um, coming out of Ireland that I think is inspiring everybody in the alcohol prevention and control community. So Thank you for taking time. We'll get into the latest decision about minimum unit pricing in Ireland, but we'll talk about the Public Health Alcohol Act uh, in the bigger picture also today. Very welcome, Sheila.
1: Thank you so much, Mike. And I swear to God, I have a huge smile on my face, which I think might be beaming through the podcast as we speak at the moment. Uh, it's been a brilliant uh, week for us. We're so happy indeed to have yeah. this measure finally finally implemented.
0: Yeah. And I think it's the culmination of um, years of hard work, as we always say, hard-driven work, um, and that I think we'll also understand and learn to appreciate a little bit better uh, getting this insight from you, so let's get right into it so that we have also then time to look at the recent very positive news. Why I think Ireland received lots of attention also um, in the previous uh, months and in, in the last year for um, the adoption of the Public Health Alcohol Act. But if you take us back all all the time back to the initiation of the advocacy campaign for this what what is the problem why is the alcohol act needed in in ireland what did you experience as a society
1: yeah well you know there's so many different measures of the level of alcohol harm and in ireland and any one of them illustrates you know the the point but i suppose basically we have very high consumption levels here Um, you know last year and in 2020 we had a consumption level of uh, just over 10 liters uh, per capita over the age of uh, 15 um and you have to remember that's in, in the year 2020 the year of the pandemic where it, the vast majority of uh, you know pubs hospitality restaurants uh, were closed for much of the year um and still our levels were so high that was actually only a 6% drop from the previous year and um you know, we, we are drinking at a level, um, I, I think it's actually we're over 40% higher than, than the, the level that you would want for low risk drinking guidelines. Like if everybody was drinking at a, at a low risk um, guidelines level, we would be drinking 40% less than what we are at the moment. Um, but it's not just even that amount of alcohol that, that we drink. Um, unfortunately, it's also the way in which we would be drinking. And Ireland is eighth in the world for monthly binge drinking. And those are are just numbers, they're a bit abstract. um, But what do they actually mean when you kind of what what harm does that actually do to individuals and to families and to society? Mm. And again, if we were to look at it, there's lots of different ways that that we can can look at this. But, you know, as an example, our hospital, the alcohol related hospital discharges is enormous. It actually increased by almost 100 percent, 95 percent between 1995 and 2018. The number of bed days that were in use because of alcohol-related problems, that actually increased by 216% between uh, 1995 and 2018. But alcohol, you know, it, it works its way into so many different areas. We would, um, we know that there's something like about 200,000 children who are growing up in homes where there is, you know, a parental problem, alcohol use, where there is there's a really big, big problem there. Mm. We see it, um, if we were to talk about FASD, Ireland has the third highest level of FASD, fetal alcohol spectrum disorders, in the world. Mm. That's, that's a terrible position, absolutely terrible um, that, that, that's there. And the thing about it is we're so, I, I would say, steeped in, in the alcohol that we actually don't realise it. Um, you know, there's a number of surveys. There was one that came out there not, you know, quite recently, and we know that half of all drinkers are hazardous drinkers, as as you would might measure through through the Odyssey. But nearly three quarters think nearly three quarters of the people who were were interviewed think that they are light to moderate uh, drinkers when we talk about binge drinking and uh, you know as, as, as a definition there you know to to have six or more um standard drinks in one session and when you say what's a standard drink and that's you know here maybe you know a half pint of um, of of beer or a single measure of, of spirits and people look at you and kind of go that's not a binge you know to have three pints of beer at one go that I mean, honestly and genuinely, people would say, that's not a binge, that's getting started. You know, when people's head what a binge would be, would be more like eight or nine, uh, you know, drinks, maybe 10. You would say, well, yeah, OK, that that's a binge, but not what is the actual definition, you know, so... Um, it, it It is it is a massive problem, and it's a massive problem on, on a number of different fronts, as I say, the individual harms that are caused, mm-hmm. the societal harm, the number of, you know, assaults and different things that become dangers on the streets, the dangers in, in the home. But I would say running through all of this is this current of denial that there is a problem, even though people, when you, you talk about it, they will go, yeah, of course, actually, that's not good or that's there. But it is hard for people you know to, to see the problem that it is because we're just surrounded by I suppose a normality uh, about
0: it and, and yeah and that makes I mean I'm listening to you and I think it's um, I, I mean I feel it emotionally when you go from talking about the uh, patterns and levels of consumption to what this means just thinking about these 200,000 children like what is the harm actually like when people and communities experience this and to imagine that this is so pervasive but on an individual and societal level their awareness is not catching up that is quite remarkable
1: it, it is incredible and actually one of the things that um that really moves me actually just you know when, when you say that we we would have a, a we have a particular initiative um you know called silent voices which yeah. tries to give a voice to those children and adult children who have grown up um in, in that, that particular situation and i find when you see those stories coming in they're all different every story is different but it is you know there are themes that run through it um, fear shame that, that that would be there oftentimes and, and this really struck me and just think one one story in particular um person wrote People knew but did nothing, uh, which is absolutely terrible, and i go back to that kind of thing of of the denial you know feeling of um yeah, well, we can't do anything about it, or yeah that's yeah, awful, I kind of feel bad about it, but not 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 something I'm going to do something about, so that that's a very that, that's a terrible thing. It, it, it really is. So we, we, we certainly work very hard to try and raise the profile of this and to try and to advocate then for, I suppose, the measures that might help to reduce that, you, you know, that, that people will take action. Schools, for example, who in many, many cases, um, you, you know, will be where, where children, you know, have, have a port of safety and, you know, can be a place where they, they might open up about it. So, you know, there's various, you know, programmes or various actions that we, we, we would be advocating for around that.
0: Yeah. And so I think uh, this is a a strong statement um, from these stories, from the Silent Voices uh, campaign. People knew but did nothing. That applies to this individual, but uh, it applies also to the society, as you are saying, because of the strong alcohol norm. So then the next question is, with this uh, pervasive harm, this heavy burden, um, coupled with this lack of uh, awareness and recognition, how did you get to the Public Health Alcohol Act? What miracle happened or what is the work that uh, you needed to do?
1: Well, firstly, it goes back, the act itself was passed in 2018, but it, it would date back, uh, I suppose, really to 2013, um, where there was a political consensus did actually come about to draft the 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 regulations that would become um, the 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 public health alcohol act as as it was eventually Um, and and that would have come out of you know various reports you know that that would have been commissioned at 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 different times Um, but actually you know over many years in those reports during the years you know of of the early two thousands as say various reports and you know government would always seek the input of the alcohol industry. So I always felt that, you know, they were very, the industry, first of all, you know, they were getting a seat at the table, they were able to kind of, you know, push an agenda, but also they were able to see what way government thinking was going. So they were well prepared for any, you know, proposals that were, that were gonna come out of it. Of course, they were always pushing their own self-regulation. Yeah, that, that'd be an answer. And as we know, in so many spheres, we don't have to just confine this to alcohol, in so many spheres, self-regulation is no regulation. So this, I, I suppose, 2013, the, the drafting of the the Act. It finally, actually, I think it was 2016 before it it actually uh, made its way into the Oireachtas, the the Parliament, Um, and then I can only describe it as a torturous route, absolutely torturous route, and it was 2018 before it was finally passed. Uh, It's been one of the the longest ever passages of of a Bill ever in the history of the the state. Um, And, and just, I would say, huge opposition uh, on a global scale because the one of the things actually that, that's interesting about the, um, the the measures within the Act is that there were actually, it, it wasn't just one single measure, there's multiple measures from pricing to advertising controls to um, the, the, the need or the regulations around the content of actual advertisements and also structural separation. So all of this, I suppose, was really trying to, look at alcohol through a public health lens and really to define it and to see it as no ordinary product. You know, that, that it, we, we needed to denormalize the, 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 the role that alcohol had in society. So things like the structural separation that alcohol needed to be in, in supermarkets or you know, shops, you know, in a, in a separate place. It's not the same as a pint of milk. You know, a bottle of wine and a pint of milk should not be being displayed beside each other, which was the case right up until January of this year. So, you yeah. know, yeah, this, this is just to, to give, give an example of that. So as I say, that, that you know, package of measures finally was was passed in 2018 and a number of the measures were commenced at that stage. So there was dates given by which, right, this measure will, will have to, to come into play. But there was an awful lot that was still left waiting to be commenced and I suppose that's that's where you know our, we certainly have been working intensively since since uh, since the passage to try and make sure that it does actually get through having having worked intensively <laughs> to try and uh, have it passed in the first place and you would think that would be the end of it but no it's kind of like oh my gosh you have to keep yeah. going <laughs> and look at it in, in different angles in different ways even after that
0: yeah And I think now we are discussing this with hindsight. So we know um, that there are positive news also about the commitment now to finally introduce minimum unit pricing. But this um, uh, touches me again, that you call it the torturous route and that the uh, public health alcohol uh, bill had one of the longest passaging uh, times in, in the Irish parliament. So looking at this, Sheila, what are the lessons that you learned and what are the keys to success uh, to navigate this kind of treacherous pathway
1: i think um needing to you know keep keep on top of everything uh, at at all times and you know certainly the the industry would have worked you know at, at, at different stages you know because it was such a big and complex bill there was a lot of avenues to be covered and i do think it's it's interesting um you know there, there would be a question is it better to do it one step at a time you know like for example in, in scotland where you know the emphasis was on you know one thing get the mup through and i know now that um they're looking at uh, at regulations around marketing and uh, and and whereas we were doing the two or multiple things simultaneously and there, there's definitely pros and cons on, on on both you know because um by you know if you do one thing at a time you maybe get that through but then oh my god you have to start out and do the whole thing again and, and it's there but if you're doing everything simultaneously there's equally the problem that it's very hard to keep on top of, of everything and the industry of course have as i say multiple different angles and you would get horse trading uh, between mm. different measures so we'll agree one thing but we'll water down something else you know, you know that that'll be there and and that's that's difficult and of course you know you might have a political consensus at one stage and I'm, I'm just thinking you know um if you were to take the take a single measure at a time and try and do that you might have a political consensus at, at one stage for that but when you try to come back to something a couple of years time or a few years time you could have completely different uh, you know elections have been in place different people move on you know the, the problem is no longer seen maybe as you know having the the urgency that that's there so i i, I certainly couldn't come down one way or the other as to you know what was the best approach i'm glad i'm certainly glad at this stage that at least we have this legislation across you know quite a number of fronts um but i'm very conscious of that that was a, a, a tough 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 um you know you know le- legislation to be got through
0: i talked um yesterday with allison douglas the i think ceo of alcohol focus scotland because they celebrate the three-year anniversary of the final introduction of minimum unit pricing there and allison she spoke to this as well when we talked yesterday and she also said that in the initial package that they had, they were even they were even discussing an increase of um, the legal age limit for alcohol purchases and um, minimum unit pricing and some other measures. And the opponents focused so much on the legal age limit, so that became clear that this is a no go. But actually, minimum unit pricing at that moment sailed through unopposed. And I think that is a little bit uh, similar to your experience that some of the measures they received heavy alcohol industry opposition and other measures they received less opposition because the industry also needed to pick their battle.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah, you know, and I think being aware of that and sort of looking to see, and I think this is definitely one of those things where it's very interesting then to see what is going on in other parts of the world and to kind of get, get a sense of, What's what's really mattering, you know, to to the industry at, at any you know particular time, the with the MUP, um, you know, the, the compromise that was reached uh, during you know torture's negotiation there was um, uh, that it. It it would it would be a decision that would have to be um, introduced at, at the same time as Northern Ireland. So we had this border issue that you know we're we're an island country, we have two jurisdictions uh, there, um, and. The industry pushed for, you know, to get this thing, which on the face of it, you know, you could almost sort of see, oh, well, you know, well, well that makes sense, you know, to have a similar pricing regime. But in fact, of course, it's, you know, it is a red herring because there are multiple differences between uh, North and South in terms of pricing. Not least, you know, we have, you know, two different um currencies so you have exchange rate fluctuations all the time two different uh, VAT regimes so you're always going to have, have differences there and you know MEP was going to be introduced uh, likely in, in Northern Ireland if it comes in it'll likely be at the same level as Scotland uh, and Wales because it's within in the UK so that's a different um, Number. You know, they're talking about, you know, 50 pence per their unit, which is, is, is lower than ours. Uh, and our unit in, in Ireland is uh, one euro uh, per standard drink. So there's, you know, there was all sorts of variations. And also, I mean, like even just the, the arguments about, you know, trade um, between north and south. There's many complex reasons around, you know, the, you know the, kind of the drivers for trade. The biggest one simply being people who live close to the border go back and forth all the time. And, you know, just in their daily life, they could be living in the south and working in the north, family there. They're just moving all the time in a very porous fashion, you know, across the, boor- across the border. And people make decisions about what they do for, for all this, you know, proximity of where, where, where they are. Uh, and even things like, you know, the drivers for actually people going north, sometimes you know for for pricings tend to be more things like around clothing cosmetics rather than alcohol and yet the industry managed to make this seem like oh my god the economy in the south will collapse uh, if everybody will suddenly go as if people were going to drive from Cork in the south of the country up to the the north you know to get um it, you know to, to save a few euro on on, on a can of, of beer it was utterly illogical yet it it took over this this kind of voice that was out there that sounded, it sounded, um, you know, reasonable uh, and it sounded like, oh, well, you know, we'll be protecting the economies north and south, but in fact, it was all about protecting their own interests.
0: And I want to use this um, moment to talk a little bit more about the measures um, in the Public Health Alcohol Act that you now already uh, mentioned. So, You talked about pricing, and we'll uh, really get into the minimum unit pricing that Ireland will introduce um, soon. But you also mentioned structural separation, advertising regulation. And I think you are also, Ireland is also committed to introducing a cancer warning label. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Is this uh, the full package, or am I missing anything?
1: There, there are other, other things as well. So there is, for example, um, a broadcast watershed so that advertisement on, on TVs or whatever um, can only be shown after nine o'clock, but that hasn't been introduced yet either. Mm-hmm um th- there was restrictions on outdoor advertising um so that, that was actually the first thing that that came in so that um you, you know billboards that kind of thing or uh, that can't be displayed um close to schools within 200 meters or in public transport which is a big thing uh, as well mm. so that, that was that, that, that was a, a large uh, area there's also a thing too um that in applying for licenses to sell alcohol or or renewal of of licenses, that now um, this must be notified to the HSE, the Health Service Executive. So in other words, that there is um, a a public health um, input into whether a license uh, should be uh, renewed or not. Again, we're waiting for that um, to to be implemented. There's, there's, it's a very comprehensive bill. There are multiple sections uh, to it. And as I say, it looks at, it's looking at those, I suppose, you know, the, the, the four pillars of marketing of, of any product, you know, price, availability, um, you, <laughs> I must say other two there for a second, price, yeah. availability, the locations of, of where you can actually get that, the marketing of it at the, at the same time. So it tries to take all of those things into account.
0: And I think the, the licensing uh, part of the bill is very interesting because many countries now struggle more and more with the public health approach to alcohol availability. So already that was very interesting that you uh, managed to include there uh, the public health perspective on where alcohol should be available.
1: Yes, the the, the act itself, it's termed the Public Health Alcohol Act, and it is the first time that regulation around alcohol was taken from a public health perspective up until that all regulation you know it was spread across a number of different areas mm-hmm. so uh, licensing for example you know was going to be within injustice um you know that so the department of, of justice there you would have regulations around um drink driving for, for example and that was going to be within transport um and there's there's just well, we talk about this a lot, you know, this for spreading out, you know, who, who's in control of alcohol? Mm. You know, if you, if you spread it across so many different departments, um, actually, then it sort of turns out that nobody has an overall sight of it. And certainly this is the first time that a public health lens has actually been applied to, to the problem.
0: And I, I have to say, I think the structural separation is very, very interesting because we always say that... Um, policy also shapes norms and uh, I think across policy areas uh, I mean we usually talk about seat belts um, or I think when uh, legislation comes in that makes it illegal that parents actually hit their children uh, I think tobacco is another area so I think across multiple po- uh, policy areas we can see that policy also shapes norms and that this is being applied uh, to the irish society with everything you have explained in the beginning can you just uh, talk a little bit more about what is the structural separation and how does it work
1: yes so the the legislation which again i have to say was watered down from you know what what was there but it, it does essentially say that alcohol products need to be Either separated out completely, like over in a different part of the store, they have to be behind a barrier of a certain height. I mean, even the barrier, like it's not that high. You can certainly any any child really with any height at all can see over it. Um, but it does at least put it over there. And then in smaller um, shops, you know, which wouldn't have the space for a completely different separate area, there are restrictions around, you know, with cabinet size and you know, sort of positioning of that of of where they could be. So again, it's not as it's not as comprehensive as what was originally uh, proposed. It's not not as stringent, I should say. But it does at least give, um, I suppose, that message that it is no ordinary product. There should be a separation. And I, I find myself just, it is very interesting, just when you go into your own local shops and you, yeah. you see the work that actually has been done. And um was actually, we, we would have had a, a campaign ourselves of getting people to, um, you know, if they, if they saw breaches off it um you know can give them links of you know kind of an explanation of how they can lodge a complaint about it and you know w- ways to do that and it's been very heartening actually to see actually shops have been well able to, uh, to you know to get this on board and get it implemented and uh, it is monitored by the uh, hse the health service executive that i mentioned earlier with yeah. their uh, environmental officers um and uh, we're actually hoping to be doing a piece of research with colleagues in UCC to to, to look actually at that compliance level, um, you know, because, again, as you say, it's very important that there is compliance with it, not just because of, you know, of the law and it should be there, but it really does make the point that it, it should be seen. As something different, and it does get that message that it's not the same, you know, going for a basket of shopping and throwing in a bottle of wine along with your tender beans, you know, that it, you need to see it differently.
0: Yeah, I live in Sweden now, but I'm from Germany, and I think the point you're making resonates very well. When journalists ask me, for example, how can they experience the difference between how the Swedish society and the German society treat um, alcohol and treat alcohol problems in the society i always talk about this example that in germany you can go into any supermarket of any size and you will find a drink for a child and next to it hard liquor it's 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 really like that and so that is a very different cultural approach in germany than what sweden does because they have a retail monopoly so you have to go to a special shop They have actually even removed the profit interest from selling alcohol. And so it's a very, very different experience. And I think it makes this uh, point very clear that you are talking about that people who buy alcohol in Sweden, they do it with a different mindset. They might not really reflect about it actively, but it's part of the culture that, yeah, alcohol, we buy there and we don't go into the supermarket like you say, to pick up spaghetti and, and whatever alcohol or buy chocolate for the kid and, and pick yes. up some beer.
1: Yeah, no, 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 it, I, it, it does. It, it, I, I hope, and I do think it, it, it will help to change a bit of a mindset that, you know, there.
0: So, and now uh, you are in a very busy, but happily busy week because um, two days ago, uh, the government announced that they will introduce minimum unit pricing. And so can you tell us a little bit about why did it take so long um, compared to when the Alcohol Act was actually um, introduced, as you have said, and what is the Irish minimum unit pricing uh, regulation going to be?
1: Yeah, so um, I suppose the the quick one, first of all, what is it going to be? Basically, the the floor price is that, um, you know, it'll be one euro per standard drink so standard drink here has 10 grams of, of alcohol and you know what that means is we, we would see for example bottles of vodka here for sale at 13 euro there'll now be a minimum price it would bring it up to about 21 euro so that's just just to give an example of you know where, where our difference is um why did it take so long um it's a it's the one bit of the act that was different from every other piece of uh, the various sections in the thing. Every other section can be commenced um, at any given time by the, the Minister for Health of the day. Uh, and the, the, the Minister has commenced a number of, of, of the sections, including, for example, the public separation that we were just, just talking about. The minimum unit price was different. It actually required a cabinet decision, so a full cabinet uh, of, of the government of the day would have to make a decision that they would go ahead with it and the reason for that is that in the the horse trading that went on during the passage of the bill uh, it was it was decided that um, it, it would have to be reserved for a cabinet decision uh, and the, in, in order that it would come in at the same time as northern Ireland who are also considering the, the measure as as well. Now, Northern Ireland politics, I'm speaking here as a, as a Northerner, um, are, are complex at the best of times. And uh, one of the things that, that happened is that um, the Northern Ireland Assembly um, fell uh, and was actually out of action uh, for the best part of three years. And uh, as a result, nothing happened uh, around, you know, uh, around alcohol or indeed any, anything else on, on the, the assembly front. The, a new government, you know, came into power, um and th- you know there was some discussion that yes we'll look at this and you know there was uh, there's a consultation is being held but it it was obviously some way off and you know we would you know make the argument all the time you know the, the harm level uh, from alcohol in, in in ireland is such that we just really do need to go on ahead how long are we going to wait for for this but you were always been met with this well we have to wait for northern ireland we have to wait for northern ireland and then actually in uh, in february of of this year the minister for health in the north um, uh, made a statement actually to say well you know what um, it's not going to happen in the lifetime of this assembly. Partly, I'm sure. I mean, the pandemic, as you can imagine, you know, totally took up you know time and you know efforts you know around that. But uh, the Robin Swan, who's the, the minister, he just stated it plainly, it's not going to happen in this uh, in the lifetime of this assembly. So that was immediately saying this is pushing it out for at least an, a, another year, probably longer, because you know there'd be no guarantee that um, like a new incoming assembly what would be, you know, what would be the priorities or whatever, stuff like this. And um, so the the minister in in Ireland, uh, the the Minister for Public Health, Frank Feehan, had a meeting with uh, Robin Swan at the time and I I think actually did get that message, did hear it and, you know, kind of went, well, actually, you know what, we really can't. Uh, afford to to let this go on and i think he did take up the mantle then at, at that point and you know now what was needed after that was you know heavy persuasion of all of the the, the cabinet because th- this this would you know come back to problem as one thing for a minister for health you know to say well i want to do this you know i had you know the support and the the cabinet in itself is also coalition um so (laughs) again just just uh, on that alone um you know there's uh, three parties involved um so the the, frank feehan who would be the 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 junior minister actually for health he was from one party the senior minister of the minister of health was from another party (laughs) you know and then as i say you know three parties overall across the um uh, across the government so there was a lot of work to be done uh, politically there to build that that support um but it finally did get get through a cabinet decision was taken on on tuesday of, of this week the fourth of of may and i just i still i'm just going oh my gosh it did actually make it through um uh, because over the last few weeks i mean we're obviously we were always campaigning about this but we were you know you know seeking you know political inter- interventions we were seeking to have you know questions being asked in the parliament and and you could see sometimes you'd get oh like there's here's a party and maybe kind of coming on board but then something else and they would fall away again and mm. uh, and we were very conscious that um you know particularly cabinet ministers who would have constituencies which would be on that border region um you know they were going to be you know come under tremendous pressure about this mm. uh you know so so there was a lot a lot of information needing we're needing to put the information out all the time but what does it actually mean Um, and the thing about MEP is it only affects the very cheap very strong alcohol so I mentioned earlier you know about you know bottles of vodka you know the branded bottles of vodka Smirnoffs or whatever they are not being sold at these very cheap prices these tend to be own brand kind of stuff that, that that's there so you know, trying to kind of get across the, the the message, you know, understanding of what we're actually talking about, um, you know, that that's what we really needed. And in this regard, I mean, oh my goodness, we're we're so grateful for you know the excellent research that's kind of coming out from Scotland. Um, you know, we've done such a you know, comprehensive job around evaluation, so that that definitely helped us. We were particularly helped, and have to say, um, in April. Uh, there was a, a very useful report came out from the WHO about WHO Europe about pricing or about um, alcohol control policies. Uh, and it you know very specifically gathered together the evidence around MEP, and that that was, was exceptionally helpful to be able to point to that because the WHO, I will say, um, you know, carries weight, it carries weight anywhere, but I think especially. Um, you know, because of the pandemic, people have become much, much more aware of what the WHO is in the first place, uh, and really starting to say, you know, gosh, you would you would take note of things that, that are coming out there, and. Funny enough, on the same day that that um, report that I mentioned from the World Health Organization, another report came out here in Ireland um, from our health research board, which was basically looking at those alcohol harms that, that I mentioned. So it was very up to date data and to have the two of them in both hands mm-hmm. on the same day while we were doing this was exceptionally helpful. So I i am so grateful for the researchers and the people who, who really work uh, to give you that authoritative evidence is 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 incredible i really thank them
0: first of all big congratulations for this big win um understanding also the complex border situation with northern ireland and the things you explained previously that they have actually a different taxation regime and i mean they have different legislation because they belong to the uk um and the need, the necessity for the Irish cabinet to adopt MUP. I understand that this gives the alcohol industry actually two lobby entry points yeah. uh, to to work there, to put pressure on Northern Ireland, to delay and delay. And of course, also to uh, divide and conquer the cabinet. Yeah, so yes. I think this is tremendous also to listen to you and understand how you were able to use the opportunity as soon as it emerged, as as soon as uh, the Northern Irish MUP, I think, moved out of sight, um, and then how these forces aligned also with these two reports coming out, especially the WHO Europe report. Can you share some insights in how you communicate? Because one thing is the WHO puts together the evidence, and I agree with you, this is excellent analysis, but the other thing is to translate the evidence in the report so that the journalists, the decision makers, that they understand it. So can you share any insights how you did that, how you I, worked I, with this? I,
1: I certainly think one of the uh, a very clear line in the, the last WHO report was, you know, the efficacy of the uh, pricing policy. The price was the single thing that was most helpful, uh, pricing policy, or, you know, it was the most single thing that helps Uh, around reducing alcohol consumption but that it is also the thing that is least uh implemented uh, in in europe and just you know to have that because we would have an argument here all the time oh ireland has the highest prices in in europe you know for alcohol and yet uh, and and you know yes of course you can buy very expensive alcohol here if you want but you can also buy very cheap alcohol you know so um and and, and just to to have that that clear line you know that, that that would allow you to to kind of make the argument that that was certainly one thing that that was there um you know for us we were able to i, I think um you know the different politicians will respond to, to to different things so certainly you know politicians in and around you know the the border you were trying to give across the information that actually 60 percent of the trade um, you know, between people going south to, to the north to, to buy, it's actually from people who live very close to the border. And that's just a plain fact, you know, this this thing is not going to make any difference to that. 60% people go north, they go up and down, it's part of their normal life. You're not going to change that. And and in fact, MEP is not going to make a difference either on on that, because as as explained a lot of things. Other people who are, you know, putting forward other arguments, you know, in in different areas, you know, you just had to try and come at it from where people were at at the time and, you, you know, give people a bit of space to, to work it through so there's a lot of meetings with with people you know when things would you know pop up on on social media to be able to respond very quickly and you know have, have your arguments out um and I, I just it's 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 a case of, of being on top of it um, you know mckinney would be our um you know director for communications and advocacy uh, just has a incredible eye for just you know spotting you know things that would be happening and being able to kind of move to make sure that you know, we, we would counter that. We wouldn't leave an argument hanging that actually isn't, isn't correct.
0: Wow, this is very insightful. I think um, the approach to actually make an effort to understand your target group and then to tailor arguments and support them with evidence that speaks to their needs and as decision makers there, I think that is very powerful. I also really like, how you made use of the WHO Europe report. So you looked at the uh, pricing part, of course, you looked at everything, but the pricing part helped you in in your specific context and and the evidence that they were putting out there. And I also like this uh, third dimension and what uh, UNN is also working on um, to, we would say to be on your toes, so to Um, uh, drive the narrative, but also to counter, uh, to use opportunities as they emerge in the social media, uh, as you were uh, saying earlier, also in reaction to uh, journalists. So this is, uh, I think, a great set of uh, lessons and best practices for advocacy.
1: Yes, I I think so. And I think really, you know, that that thing about understanding where people are coming from, our our current Taoiseach, uh, Michal Martin, um, would have had uh, like, he'd been well known for when he was previously a minister for health of introducing um the legislation around uh the basically the ban of smoking uh in in public places uh which was a first in in the world so you know he had he had a reputation to maintain you know because he he was very well is very well regarded you know that 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 legislation was groundbreaking and you know other countries have followed you know suit so you know you, you you want to be able to Appeal to people to you know to say, gosh, yeah, there is a reputation there, and, and I think I, I do feel he he did did listen to that, and I think he was always interested. He did want you know to make it happen. So I'd say it's just an alignment of needing to get things you know to, together.
0: I have very uh, two very naive questions. I think, um, but I want to make it very clear: um, when is the minimum unit pricing policy set to be introduced concretely? Yeah. And what, why is there this kind of um, provision in the Alcohol Act that these different measures are being commenced at different moments in time? Why were they not all uh, commenced at the moment of adoption?
1: Oh, if I could answer that. Uh, I'll answer the easy one. First of all, the, yeah. the MEP comes in on the 1st of January 2022, um, you know, Obviously, we would like it tomorrow, but you know what, I'm just happy to have a date. I'm absolutely yeah. delighted to have a date. And I do recognize, obviously, in the introduction of anything, there's technical you know, things that have to be addressed, uh, but that's absolutely fine. First of January is, is, is where, we're, where we're at. As to why, um, you know, all these different commencement dates... It, it is. Well, I won't say it's beyond me. It's deeply frustrating that it is the case. Um, it is the case for any legislation that, um, it, you know, there is both you, you pass an act and then you commence the, the act and the two don't necessarily follow immediately. And there can be reasons for that because um, there can be technical reasons uh, that that um, simply that to introduce something maybe requires some technical thing to be done there may need to be people in place for example to uh, to monitor it you know can be a thing or the industry can you know ha- need need something like product separation you're going to need time to actually erect barriers so that's that's a technical reason of why there are differences what has frustrated us is um actually not having a timeline that we have some bits that are introduced uh, and we kind of knew like when the act was, was actually passed in the first place, it was laid out, certain things would be introduced and there was timelines over, over the next three years. So for example, the, uh, the, the, the prohibition on the outdoor advertising and the restrictions around that, that uh, came in in November, 2019. Um, so that was, that was the first of the things. And then there was a series of other, other things around that. And there were dates laid out for that, but big chunks have just been left with no dates. Uh, at all so MEP was was one of those the, the other very big one is labeling uh, of alcohol products uh, we've no no date on that and then as I said the, the the other big one that we would say is the content of alcohol advertisements like you know at the moment uh, if you see an ad- alcohol advertisement it can sell you anything it can tell you anything it can sell you the myth but um in, in this new legislation when it finally comes in, uh, the the advertisements would have to be confined to facts. You know, where's the product from? How much is it? Where's it on sale? That that, that kind of thing. So where where we're at at the moment, uh, I would say um, our, our our next step will be around the labelling uh, legislation. We we understand at the moment that um, so the process here is that for the labelling legislation to actually commence, there has to be secondary legislation which is about. What do these labels actually look like? What's the size of them? What's the font size? Where are they where? Where exactly are they positioned? You know, so so that that there, there has to be secondary uh, legislation or the regulations have to be published. Um, at the point when they're published, they actually then have to go to the EU. There's a process there, the trust process, uh, because Ireland is part of the the single market, and there there's a, a standstill process whereby any country then over a three month period. Has a, an opportunity to to look at them and, and possibly lodge objections, um, and uh, then if they're accepted, it's only after that that they are um, brought into force, and, and and there's a waiting period as well before they would actually come into way. So we're we're several years off, I think, that that actually happening. But the most important thing for us right now is to is to get sight of the the regulations so that you know and to really push for them to be published. Um, and, you know, we, we know, obviously, in the last year, with the pandemic, um, the Department of Health have been, to say they've been under siege, I, I know I was putting it mildly, but um, yeah. but that, that's where we're at, you know, at, at, at this point.
0: And Alcohol Action Ireland, do you have a model uh, label? Do I understand it correctly that the law, the Act says that this will be health warning label, uh, labelling or cancer warning labelling?
1: Yes, so th- there's actually several parts um, to the information that that, that would be on it. So um, there would be information on the alcohol content, information on the, the calorie content, uh, information uh, directly to a website for a government-funded website for information about uh, alcohol, uh, and then the I'd say the very big things are health warning labels. One would be uh, for pregnancy. Uh, you know to, not to drink in, in pregnancy, one is a general one around um, you know alcohol and harms there. And then the very big one would be a cancer warning label to say that basically alcohol does cause cancer. So, uh, you know, there's um, there's quite a number of fronts there and quite a number of, you know, d- different aspects, you know, to that. Actually, just on the pregnancy one, we, we've we been watching very closely uh, the developments in, um, in, in Australia and New Zealand around yeah. their pregnancy warning label. And again, you know, torturous process, uh, you know, with the industry th- saying things like, well, we can't have it the colour red uh, involved, you know, <laughs> like, you know. I, I mean, but so we were all these things and uh, wanting a font size, you know, tiny, tiny, tiny that you want, you know, um, magnifying glass or whatever to see it so we we were very interested in, and certainly you know kept in touch with our, our colleagues there you know and the progress uh, at that and that's exceptionally helpful for us and we see that label which is a good label you know being produced in the size you know that that's that's there we know but we can see the sort of arguments that were being you know put out uh from from the industry around that and it, it helps us to be to be to be aware of of what might be coming um, you know, the, the pregnancy one is, is much less controversial than anything else. I mean, oh my God, who could who who could protest? I mean, really, but yeah. the, um I, I know that the cancer one will be, you know, subject to a, a lot of pressure. But in this regard, I mean we're so helped by the um the EU um feeding, cancer plan, feeding yeah. cancer plan and um you know which is actually also called for cancer warning labels to be placed on on alcohol products uh, within two years so that's that's a wonderful alignment for us that's yeah. absolutely fantastic and obviously we would have worked with colleagues as well you know in a european context you know to try and get that um you know over the line as, as well so we were just so happy that 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 report was published in february and very good timing for us so over the next you know while um we, we would we'll have a number of events and a number of partners that we'll be working with around you know cancer issues and in fact actually the you know, throughout the campaign for the, the, for the Public Health Alcohol Act, you know, the cancer charities and cancer researchers and, you know, colleges and people working in in this field were enormously helpful. And they they would have joined what we call the um, the Alcohol Health Alliance Ireland, which was a uh, an, an alliance of about 60 organizations and and individuals who who added their voice at different times to the campaign so when when the whole thing about labeling was going on the cancer you know thing was there it was wonderful to be able to call on those experts you know on on that particular thing and that would have been a feature in fact actually of the the, the whole campaign because you know at different times different things were you know, d- different types of expertise were, were needed. So with MEP, for example, I would say, you know, hepatologists and liver specialists were exceptionally helpful uh, in, in this regard, you know, who had the in-depth knowledge and, you know, of really of how that very cheap, strong alcohol, they, they could see the the end the end product of of that of, with people coming into hospital very very seriously ill you know kind of being pushed over the edge at, at that point so they were very very helpful in that thing as I say the, the cancer people extremely helpful around the labelling and will obviously be you know uh, working again with um, you know th- those sorts of sorts of groups to 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 push now on the labelling
0: I think that's a brilliant point on the strategic alliances issue based strategic alliances. Thanks for sharing this and now as we are discussing, I think the, you know, the dates of the commencement of these different provisions, I think we're already into the conversation about the future and um, it struck me what you said in the beginning, Sheila, that um, adopting or winning um, the adoption of the alcohol act was actually just the start of the real work to get then all these different provisions Implemented in in real life in reality, like you managed now with minimum unit pricing. So, is my thinking correct that now your focus is actually on these other big chunks, like the content um, of alcohol advertising, that that will be commenced, that you get a timeline and labeling, as you have already. Um, explained Mm -hmm. or is there something else on the horizon? Well there's
1: another whole thing as well because there's always another thing (laughs) uh, and this is about sports sports marketing. Mm -hmm. So um, an element of of the bill um, which will be coming into place in November this year is about restrictions on um, using sports marketing, um, sorry, marketing of alcohol in in sporting arenas. So the legislation that is there um, Basically, it it restricts uh, advertising in in sporting grounds where the majority of children attending or events would be children, uh, as opposed to adults. But there are also some restrictions for all sporting things um, around you, you know actual placement of advertisements on say, the, the on the sporting field. So that's due to come in in November, now in November this year, twenty twenty one. Now that is watered down from what was originally intended because obviously what we would really like is a complete ban on um, sports, you know, the, the use of, of of sports marketing and alcohol. Uh, I know we're a long way off that, but that would be a great goal. <laughs> that, yeah. That's the. That. And certainly, you know, we'll we'll be looking to see what we can do around, at least we have some legislation, we'll be looking to see what we can do as well to, you know, to kind of move move further on that. But, as I say, our immediate thing right now is certainly going to be the labelling.
0: And on this pricing issue, um, how do you look at alcohol taxation? Is this... A topic or is this a no-go in ireland is it maybe already well regulated
1: no well well certainly it is regulated there's, there's no doubt about that but uh, there is a, another whole issue around taxation which is completely separate from the the, the public health alcohol act mm-hmm. um we would have been saying for for many years um that there is a need for well there's several things around taxation which we think are, are very important um one is that there should be um a cost of living index uh, applied to the the duties so that they go up automatically along with um you know cost of living because that that isn't there and in real terms the taxation level is actually dropping mm. so that's one thing a second thing that we have been um you know talk about and, and Always, when we're coming up, you know, to uh, the budget um, for for the year for the government, we would make a pre-budget submission. So these are some of the things that we would, you know, talk about. About one another one then would be we really think there's a very strong case for a social responsibility levy uh, to be placed on alcohol products, and that that levy should be, you know, then used to try and address. Some of the harms that that are there, and there's many different ways in which it could be used. But we we think that that's an important element of of the taxation uh, regime. Um, we recognise that's another whole area, but it's it's very interesting that thing about the, the the duty being aligned, or you know, to to have it you know linked to cost of living that is coming in and that that has happened and it, it, it happens in a number of countries so again it's very helpful for us to be able to point to those examples and to make the the, the argument and to try and you know you know make sure that it, it's heard in, in in different economic forums as as well so um, that that's that we, we, we wouldn't be losing sight of that.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that uh, for me, that was also one of the strong findings of the WHO Europe report um, that this indexation to inflation is really a weakness in European countries' alcohol taxation regimes. Most countries have an alcohol taxation, but overall alcohol has actually become cheaper uh, in the region, especially in EU countries. So I think there is a country dimension and the European Union I mentioned um, for this minimum uh, taxation level, but I wanted to ask my final question. I think this uh, social responsibility levy on alcohol products is very, very interesting. Is this, does this mean earmarking of the alcohol tax or how can I understand um, this measure?
1: I suppose you would see it as something separate from excise duty, you know, which is basically, uh, you know, put there as it, 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 it's, it's a revenue raising thing, um, and once once that revenue is, is raised, it just goes into a government, you know, uh, you know, tax pot. You know, everything is is in there. Um, I think that there is such a case, you know, given that the, the scale and the, the cost of of harm. Um, in Ireland, like, you know, just one example is that, you know, 10% of um, the healthcare budget goes on hospital related um, alcohol admissions. So that is, that's just one thing. There's multiple other areas of, of harm that, that's there. I, I would see this as being a levy that is specifically targeted towards addressing the, those harms. And therefore, I would see it in a different way from Uh, excise duty which is you know like a taxation measure or VAT or some anything like that it really again it comes back to this is no ordinary product this is not like VAT that you know you would have on on clothes or cosmetics or or whatever this is this is an industry that the consumption of its product causes harm and we have to look at it in that, that regard it is no ordinary product
0: Thank you for that. Now, I already said that this was my last question, but I have one more, which I think then brings us really into the future. All these measures, the Public Health Alcohol Act is uh, rather new in in Ireland, but I'm always impressed also by the figures you mentioned, like this 10% of healthcare spending that goes to alcohol-related admissions and the, the other figures you mentioned in the beginning. So, I feel like you have a good system to actually track both the harm, the costs, but also the the developments in consumption. So I just wanted to ask, Sheila, I don't even know if you have data on this, but what is the public support for these measures now? um, And what are the effects of some of the measures that have been implemented? Well, actually,
1: um, during the um, in, in the in the run up, you know, to, to the bill being published, we, we did carry out you know market research, which shows that there is support, in um, considerable support for the you know, introduction of of such measures. And I was actually very interested in Scotland as well. They did some tracking, um, which showed that the support for MEP. Actually, increased. It was already there before the measure was introduced, but after it was introduced, that support actually um in, increased. So I think that's a very interesting thing that you know, public. The public are do do actually want you know a, a level of control, and we found that a very interesting thing. You know, just when we were able yeah. to talk to politicians and be able to show them um you know that that support is there because sometimes you know if you were to look at you know, we we're just talking about media coverage earlier, uh, you know, of um, some of the alcohol issues, and you know, the MEP being produced yesterday. Obviously, there was a lot of commentary about it under the line or on social media. And its it was, you know, some of it was very negative. I tend to find that the people who are posting things, you know, like, like that online, you know, if, if people are feeling strongly, they will be the people who will post something. But actually, if you take a step back and you look at a broader population, the support is there. Mm. And, you know, and that was evidenced to us by the fact that this, the Act was passed. It is the democratic will of the people and you know it's, it's it's something actually I feel very strongly about because the act has been passed we want to see it implemented it's no its, it, its purpose was to reduce harm was to reduce alcohol consumption there's a target in fact that over seven years the alcohol consumption would uh, would drop by 20 percent that was actually the target for that uh it was a seven-year target and we should have reached it in 2020 well you know, we're we're nowhere near there, but it shows you that there is a direct target. This was the will of the people. We need to have it fully implemented and coherently implemented so that you can see all those different strands of the the various measures that I've talked about, that they, they work together. There's no one of them is a silver bullet you know, there, because there is, because this problem is very complex and even the measures that we're talking about, they're relatively mild, you know, they're, they're not, they're not as, you know, they, we, we know they were watered down from where, where they, they originally started from. So they're not going to cure everything, but they will make a difference and they will only make that difference when they actually, the whole thing kind of comes together uh, and, and is, is, is a coherent package because the package itself is coherent, the implementation of it needs to be coherent as well.
0: I think this is actually a brilliant uh, final thought here, both in terms of public support and that the Public Health Alcohol Act reflects the will of the people in Ireland and that then um, alcohol policy is at its best if it's integrated comprehensively, uh, if it's implemented comprehensively in an integrated manner. So with this, congratulations one more time for the uh, MUP success this week, and then, uh, Sheila, all the best for these uh, big challenges that you have ahead of you. Um, advertising, labeling, and the uh, social responsibility levies. Very cool to talk with you about all these things. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
1: My pleasure. My absolute pleasure, Mike. Thank you indeed.
0: This podcast episode is part of Movendi International's work to introduce the world's alcohol policy models and shed more light on how alcohol policy solutions work, what their potential is and how advocacy efforts can help bring about evidence-based alcohol policy making. In the show notes we share key resources with you about the Public Health Alcohol Act in Ireland in general and minimum unit pricing in Ireland in particular. We also share a summary of the WHO Europe report that we are discussing in the podcast conversation. And of course, we provide material to get more information about minimal unit pricing from Scotland. So if you have feedback, questions and suggestions, please feel free to get in touch. I'd really love to hear and read from you. My email address is mike. Dot at you can also reach me on Twitter and find my contact details in the show notes. The Alcohol Issues podcast is made by Arin Pino, Taraka Aranchigoda, Kristina Sperkova, and Mike Dunbier. Our theme music for this episode comes from LF Music that's it for the alcohol issues podcast this week we hope you enjoyed this episode so thank you so much for tuning in i wish you to stay well and safe and uh, talk to you soon